And we are live. This is the Wrap It Up on Blast Raps post-game show. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and this episode of Wrap It Up is brought to you by Clean Cuts Barbershop. 2013 Danforth Avenue in the East End of Toronto. Clean Cuts, the multicultural barbers that will always keep you fresh for any and all occasions. So go see Skip and the crew. As a wise man once said, tell them that I sent you. Check them out on Instagram at Clean Cuts Toronto or give them a call 416-917-4833 to book your appointments now. Wrap it up, fans. What's really good? How are you feeling <laughs> on this Wednesday night? Huge win for the Toronto Raptors. Apologies, I haven't been around for a bit. I had mom's birthday. We went out for dinner as a family. Then I was away for the weekend in Breckenridge, Colorado for a bachelor <laughs> party. So I've been out of commission for a bit. The Raptors' winning streak continued while I was gone. And the first game back, I was a little worried when they were down 19. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, did I jinx the Raptors? What's going on right yep. now? But I can't I can't be the blame to stop whatever's going on with this Raptors team right now because they are on fire. 12th win in a row as they win 119-118. And I'll put it up there, one of the best games of this season. I'm here with my guy Q. Q, what is going on? How are you feeling after that Raptors crazy, crazy, crazy win? I'm hyped, man. Yeah, that was, that was man, 12 in a row. Mm-hmm. I was actually at the game on Sunday. Yep. There with my son for his birthday. Happy birthday, Avery. His birthday is actually tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, seen Terrence Davis come alive <laughs> on Sunday. Yeah. Um, and then this game. And obviously, probably like the rest of y'all, I thought at certain points in the game, I thought, okay, We'll get him on Friday. Yeah. But I don't know what happened those last two minutes. You mentioned Terrence Davis on Sunday, and yeah. I think Terrence Davis played a huge role along with Kyle Lowry in the third quarter of keeping this game close. Yeah. But bottom line, this game's got to be all about Serge Ibaka. I know Serge. Kyle Lowry had a great game. We'll get to Kyle Lowry shortly. But Serge Ibaka, especially without Marc Gasol, yeah. there's so much pressure on Serge Ibaka, and all he's done this season is deliver. And he did that tonight in a massive way. 30 points for Surge, 7 rebounds, but the huge game-winning 3 at the end of the game. And that's the part to me that's most surprising about what Surge is doing because he's doing it in all facets. Yeah. Um, Talk about Surge tonight. What do you make of Surge's performance in a game where, let's be serious, if you're going to look at the front-line advantage, it's a toss-up between Turner and Sabonis or Surge and Pascal. And I'm saying that just in terms of forget about names, forget about... Do you know what I mean? I'm just talking about stature yeah. and like player for player. That's a yeah. tough matchup. That's a solid front line in terms of Eastern Conference front lines, no? Yeah. Um, let's say Turner wasn't really even a factor in this game. No. Um, yeah, Serge doing it from whether it's running the floor, whether mm-hmm. it's posting up, shooting the threes. His, his jump shot is just it's butter right now. I like how he was shooting it with confidence. Even yep. the threes that he missed, and he said it in the post-game interview too. Yep. He was like, there are some threes that I missed, but you know, he felt good about it. Yeah. And I think even though, you know, do you really want Serge Ibaka attempting seven threes in a game? Probably not. Normally, no, but these last couple of games, I mean, you, I, and, and like you said, they are not bad shots. Mm-hmm. They're shots, you know, he, he, it's pur- with purpose. They're good shots. A lot of them is open shots. Yeah. And, he, and, he, and he's making them right now. So 
Um, sorry, I got distracted because Mike checks in on Twitter and says OG lost the scarf battle for sure. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, Matt, definitely. Matthew checks in and says I'm buying a scarf tomorrow. <laughs> for those that don't know, and I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you kind of have some idea yeah. of what's going on in Raptorland with the surge in OG scarf battle. But whatever surge is doing, I mean, keep rocking your scarves. OG <laughs> can't say nothing to you because surge. This is the thing. The We've always seen the confidence of Serge Ibaka, and sometimes it's been ill-advised shots. Right. But especially this season, when you lose the consistent 25 points a night from Kawhi Leonard, to be getting the consistent performance from Serge, especially without Marc Gasol in the lineup, right. how important is that for the Raps, especially when your only other real big is Chris Boucher? And I should probably put air quotes on your only other real big, because I don't know what position Chris Boucher is long-term in the NBA, right? Right, right. But Serge just continues to step up and ball and be a force in the paint. How impressed were you? Because I, I said to you a couple times, I was impressed with, especially with no Turner, Serge was just going to the basket and knowing that he had to just take it all the way to the cup. He was yeah. rolling all the way and getting his layups, knowing that Sabonis isn't really going to block his shot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and obviously there's times in the past where Serge would go to the basket and he was a little... Awkward, a little out of control. Mm -hmm. But, again, I think it's just the confidence and just doing things with purpose. Yeah. Right? It's, it's not like an on-the-fly. He's just he's, – he's doing things knowing he can, he can get to where he wants to go. Yeah. And it's been effective. And it's doesn't matter whether it's a smaller guy on him or a bigger guy on him. He He's playing his game. Exactly. He's playing his game and with confidence. And the funny thing about Serge – I'm scrolling back to, to call myself out here. On Twitter, I, I – Tweeted out, Serge is saving the Raptors right now, but I'm not sure why he's still in the game with five fouls and eight minutes left. And remember, I looked at you at the start of the fourth, and I'm like, hold on, is Serge going to play the whole fourth quarter? Is that what's <laughs> about to happen? Then he picked up his fifth. There was eight minutes left in the game still, yep. and Nick Nurse just wrote it out. And, I mean, this is a surprise to no one. Obviously, Nick Nurse is a lot smarter than me, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, because... we, were all, we were all saying the same thing. Like, you know, where's Boucher? Yeah. <laughs> This is, this is Boucher time. At least give Boucher two, three minutes. Give Serge yeah. a breather. But right? that's what I mean. Serge is just playing at such a high level right now. And, you know, the the smarts of being able to play with five fouls for eight minutes as a big guy, yeah. as a lone big guy in the paint, what a performance from Serge Ibaka. I give and, a, sorry, just to say on the defensive end, I give a lot of credit to obviously Nick Nurse, but also Siakam because mm -hmm. there's a lot of times where, where the ball would go into Sabonis and they'd switch. Yeah. Right? So yep. that you know, Serge isn't isn't playing defense in the post where, you know, you're likely to pick up that fifth that sixth foul. Yes. So shout out to the to the game plan. Yeah. And to to Pascal for picking up the slack and not giving up buckets. For sure. To Sabonis also. So Mafuzi Chef cooking, as mentioned, 30 points from him. Kyle Lowry also had a great game with 32 points, 10 assists, eight rebounds for Kyle. But you mentioned Pascal and Pascal it doesn't show up on the score sheet, the little yeah. things that you were just mentioning in terms yeah. of the impact that he had on this game, helping out Surge defensively in foul trouble. But Pascal's line, 25 points, 7 of 18. Add in 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals. That's like what we've become accustomed to right. when we see the A-plus Pascal Siakam night. But that's 7 for 18. It looked a lot worse for a while there, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think at one point it was 3 for... 
was it three for eleven? I know it was two for eleven. Something like that. Two for eleven was pretty sure. Yeah. uh, So the last I had it in terms of the ugliness. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, again, if Pascal is going to be the guy, he's got to come through in crunch time. That's what we've been looking for, Mm -hmm. and a lot of those baskets, a lot of those free throws came in the fourth quarter. In, in, in what you time. call winning time, yep. right? So so credit to him and not letting his his I guess uh, inaccurate shooting in the yeah. in the first two three quarters throw off his game completely. But again, what you said about superstars is even if you're not having a, sh- a good shooting night, you come up with plays yes. in crunch time and and plays that mm-hmm. that help your team. So whether that's defensively, whether that's rebounding, whether that's picking up some steals, um, getting to the free throw line, he he, he did do that. Yeah, and you know, I bring up Kawhi a lot because I feel like the lessons learned from a superstar mm-hmm. like Kawhi Leonard will last throughout right. the season. And that's one of the things we talked about with Kawhi last year. Even if he was having a bad shooting night, he still made sure to find other ways to contribute. And you saw that from Pascal tonight because I had it charted. He started one for eight in the paint yeah. to start this game in the paint. That's atrocious. And that might get into your head. You might get a little frustrated. There's some times where he was driving and not getting foul calls. Yeah. That might also get into your head and kind of throw you off. But instead, my guy stayed focused. He kept driving to the basket even when he wasn't getting the calls. And remember there was that weird a challenge by Nick Nurse yeah, where right. there was a foul or not foul and they called it out of bounds. Or I don't. I still don't yeah. even really understand yeah, the, what the, happened the with that challenge. The explanation from the ref was, was, was BS. It was weird. Yeah. But for Pascal to focus in and say, okay, my shot's struggling. I don't really have it going. I'm going to make sure I get to the free throw line. And he did the job there. I mean, he missed one late. Yeah. But overall, 10 for 11 from the free throw line. And then I mentioned the other stat stuffers, nine rebounds, five assists, three steals. That's an A-plus performance from Pascal on a night where I'm not really sure he had it going. And that's yeah. what all-star players do and that's what you want to see the continued growth from pascal siakam on a game like that where let's be real the raptors win their franchise record 12 game 12th straight game but a lot of these games were the Cavs, the bulls like teams you're supposed to take care of business cool but we know one of the themes of this podcast what do you do in the big boy games and most people might not call the pacers a big boy game but if you're a real ball head and you You know know. what's going down you know the pacers are a real team and so the raptors and pascal especially to have a really good game against the pacers and gut it out i was really impressed by that what would what's your takeaway from pascal after seeing him put up the night he had against the pacers what i was impressed with is he didn't when he wasn't getting those foul calls mm-hmm. and not making those layups on the inside, he didn't just revert to just, okay, I'm just going to shoot threes. He still took it hard to the basket, and eventually, I mean, you are an all-star. You are the, no- the number one option on the team. Mm-hmm. The refs have to blow the whistle at some point, and, and he, he forced them to blow the whistle. Mm-hmm. Where in previous, previous Pascal, previous games, even this season, he would have just said, well, I'm not going back in there. I'm just going to shoot threes. Yeah. And he didn't do that. So I like that. Obviously – Came up with some steals um, down when they when they uh, they put on the press. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shout out to Nick Nurse. I mean, the college press. Yeah. Who would think that the college press would just yeah? And we've seen it time and time again. As my guy LT checks in on Twitter and says, Pascal had so many deflections leading to turnovers too. It was yep. amazing. And you're right. The press late, like I said, jam done. Right, like I yeah. said in the room, this game's over. The Raptors won. Good job, good effort. And then they started to come back. Lowry hits that crazy three 
to cut it to five. Yep. And then I don't even know how an NBA team is so bothered by a press. So credit to Nick Nurse for throwing it out there. But the Brogdon turnover, yeah. it wasn't even really forced. Like he didn't really, I don't even know what he was doing. Yeah. But Pascal was able to deflect it. And that really like lost them the game, right? And they had four. The, the thing is, what baffles me is you had four guards on yeah. on there, yeah. right? And even Sabonis is 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 good good with the ball. So how you have four guards, two of them point guards, <laughs> and you can't handle a press? It was weird. You know, it just shows that somewhere the fundamentals of basketball has just been thrown out the window. Well, it's one of those things where you know it's like the anti argument to load management. Yeah. Because you know that, forget about games, what NBA teams don't practice anymore. Yeah. And when would it be the only time that you would really see a press? Right? Like, yeah. Nick Nurse is really the only guy out there. There might be a couple teams that will randomly throw out a press, but it's not like you're seeing a press a lot. So, but it might like catch a, you off like guard. This like an actual press, like a college, yeah. high school. I remember running the Eastern Press. <laughs> like, this is, that's what it is. Right? Whereas, yeah. other teams, when you're down... You just you just picking up man. You just picking the, what they do is it's not really a press. It's like yeah. I'm just gonna pick up man to man full court. Yeah, right. Yeah. This is a press. And and the key to that too, right? Like I love the way that Nick Nurse instituted that press because you know what it does? It forces your team to not give up. Yeah. You have to maintain a high level of intensity to close out that game because as mentioned, there's what two minutes left and it was one eighteen to one ten. Yeah. And you got to or sorry one eighteen to one oh eight. One oh eight. The thing is, if you look at that, you might think the game's over, but when you put on the press, you're forcing your team to remain at a high level of intensity yeah. and not give up. And that's a crazy comeback by the Toronto Raptors. Like, we're sitting here getting ready to do a show where it's like, oh, man, they blew that game. They didn't play well. They had the terrible second quarter where they gave up 43, 43. points to Indiana. You know, if not for that, they probably win the game. Yep. And then here comes this team that all year long, has just managed to get punched, take the punch, but counter punch and fight back. Take a lot of injuries, get back up, fight back. And this team, man, say whatever you want. And I know there's been a lot of debate about where are they going to finish this season and all that stuff in comparisons to last year and this year. My advice is just to sit back and enjoy the hell out of this. Definitely. Because this team is so fun to watch because they don't give up. And even if they go down, you know they're going down swinging. And to me, that's the most impressive part of this team. The heart and soul, the nuts part of my French <laughs> that this team has, that they just don't give up. And, and I mean, I'm sure a lot of you out there have played basketball. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if you guys really understand like how hard it is to run a press. Yeah. This is in the NBA. And they're doing this with a short bench. And you're tired. With, you're yeah. tired at the end of the, the game. In the fourth quarter, yep. you're doing with a short bench. I mean, what what they run? Maybe eight deep today. But McCaw, didn't, McCaw Boucher, Ron, Rondé in his first game back from injury, yeah. they didn't really... Like, Terrence Davis played 27 minutes, and everyone else, McCaw, 16, Rondé, 13, Boucher, 8. Yeah, so they really ran a six, six, six guys, Essentially, right? yeah. Yeah. And then have the energy, your starters have the energy to run a press at the end of the game. That That is hard. And that's the key, too, of the whole organizational structure to buy in right. to when your NBA coach says, we're going to press at the end of the game and to have everyone buy in. Yeah. And I know that sounds crazy, but you think about losing organizations like the Cavs, <laughs> where you heard things like they were complaining about practicing too hard yeah. and Bayheim trying to run, not Bayheim, 
Uh, what's my guy's name? Um, why am I drawing a blank? The B- Cleveland's coach. Beeline. Beeline. Yeah. Fair enough. Same I'll thing. take that. I'll take that mistake. Beeline. I should know that. I'm a B-line, Michigan guy. Right. But my, the point remains: they were complaining about my guy trying to draw up college-like plays, and yeah. it was like too much of a college-like atmosphere. Meanwhile, here's Nick Nurse pulling out whatever tricks yep. <laughs> out of his back pocket, and this Raptors team just continues to fight for their coach. It's just incredible, and I don't want to underestimate or I don't want to undervalue what we're watching because what we're seeing from this Raptors team is unprecedented in franchise history in terms of a team that has been undermanned all year yep. that just continues to scrap and fight and claw and find ways to win. And the reason why I'm super impressed by this win is because I know Indiana's real. Yeah. Like if you have to play Indiana in the playoffs, that is a tough, tough matchup. You saw them tonight play well and they got a deep bench and Oladipo's still trying to work his way back. Yeah. And he might not really get back to form this season because normally they say it takes a full year yeah. after you have like knee injuries like the one that he had, right? Right. But he's still working his way back. But still, Brogdon, we know his resume. You got a bit of that Brogdon life last year in the Bucks series, so yep. you know what he's about. Sabonis so has established himself as a legit all-star player in this league, right? And then Jeremy Lamb has killed the raps over the years. Well, that's the thing with it. Indiana is, I mean, obviously the trade deadline's tomorrow, so mm-hmm. things can change. Mm-hmm. But Indiana might be the Eastern Conference team that, I don't want to say fear, but it's one of those... If you can avoid playing them, is it's best because it's a sneaky team. Yeah, and then and they're built. I mean, if if there's a team out there that's built for the Raptors, if you guys remember years back, um, Justin Holiday on the Bulls always gave us problems. McBuckets, McBuckets always gave us problems. <laughs> Brogdon last year with Milwaukee, and even the year prior to that gave is always those guys always gave us problems. Yeah, right. So there's nobody on Indiana's roster who you can just say, like, you don't have to guard that guy because he they always have given us – Justin Holiday was a guaranteed 20-piece on the Raptors when he was with the Bulls. It's crazy. Right? So that's the team that, you know, if you can avoid playing them, hopefully they, they run into a Milwaukee or somebody or a Boston before they – and, and they, they get knocked out because you don't want to play them in the playoffs. Uh, Matthew checks in on Twitter and says, I'd rather play Philly than the Pacers in the playoffs. Definitely. And how Most many definitely. people would really say that? Do you yeah. know what I mean? And it, it's really a toss-up. And, I mean, Philly, it's a whole other story. Yeah. <laughs> but with the trade deadline tomorrow, it it leads to a very interesting conversation because two to six remains super tight in that Eastern Conference. And we know the Miami Heat are out here making moves. <laughs> yep. As they've already, as we speak... Uh, at last check, we know that they've added Andre Iguodala yep. for Justice Winslow. I don't know what the actual particulars are yet, but there are rumors that they could also be trying to add Danilo Gallinari as well. So if that happens, that's a big time like upgrade for the Miami Heat, Definitely. a team that already, I think, was a team to look out for in the Eastern Conference. And so Philly's in turmoil. You could see them making a move. Um we just mentioned Indiana. Who knows what they're going to do? Boston's been – rumors have been out there for Boston. For sure. So there's a lot going on. And, you know, 
We've talked a lot about the Raptors win. Again, big win for the Raps, 119-118. Their best start after 51 games in franchise history, <laughs> meaning they're off to a better start than they were last year with Kawhi, which I don't like making those comparisons. But right. it's a thing that's out there. Yep. And the reasons why, for the record, why I hate making those comparisons is because last year we know Kawhi said it was 82 practices. Like yeah. He didn't care about the regular season, as you're seeing this year. And last year, if we remember, there's a full month where him and Kyle were legitimately trading games yeah. in terms of who would play. But even the, even the play. year before when they when they had their franchise, the, the best record in franchise yeah. history, they're, they're, they're on pace to beat that as well. So It's crazy. And, it's, and, and the thing, like those teams, like if, if DeMar would have missed extended time two years ago, the Raptors weren't winning much of those many of those games. Totally Same true. with Kyle. Yep. Right? But that now true. looking at them and, and, and Kyle missed a big chunk. Siakam missed almost a month. Yeah. Mark's been has is now on a second injury tour. And you know Surge what, missed games. So you know what too? I kinda wanna emphasize this point though. The reason why I'm I'm not like I don't really care about the Raptors record is because I'm so much more impressed by how they're doing it. Yeah. Like, I don't even care what the record is compared to this year or last year because I'm so much more impressed by the fact of how they've done it, how they've fought through the injuries, how they're playing undrafted guys in terms of Terrence Davis, in terms of Chris Boucher, in terms of, I mean, Fred Van Fleet's moved into the starting lineup now. <laughs> like, it's insane what is happening with this team and how they've just figured out a way to get contributions when they need it, whereas Kyle Lowry... I mean, we didn't talk about him that much in this game, but I love the way that Kyle Lowry came out to start this game because my guy came out with energy. He was aggressive. He was trying to get to the basket. He was pushing the tempo, yep. pushing the ball up, getting guys easy layups early. And I just think that Kyle Lowry played such a strong game in terms of being a leader and saying, hey, guys, this is a big-time game. We need to come out and match the intensity of this team. Yeah, And... Hopefully the rest of the guys follow suit at the end. And what do you know? They did. Exactly. <laughs> but yes, back to the trade deadline. This is what I want to talk about to you. And also add, ask the people in our Ask on Blast segment, what do you want to see from the Toronto Raptors at the trade deadline? Would you like to see them make a trade? Please send in your comments and questions, whether you are live on Twitter at Shell Alexander or live on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. But I'll start with you first. Q. Do you want to see the Toronto Raptors make a trade tomorrow, or do you want to see them just stand pat and let it ride out with the squad they got? <laughs> nothing, there, there'll be nothing major. I don't think there's anything major going to happen. It's not like last year where we're, we're going to find ourselves another Gasol. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we have the assets to get that because, like I was saying a couple weeks ago, you're not giving up Norm, and he's the only one with, with some salary, him, yep. Serge, and, and Mark. And Kyle, and you're not giving up either of those. Um, obviously, Fred Van Fleet's not going nowhere. Yep. So, when you look at that, I mean, I'm not giving up Terrence Davis. Yeah. Um, I think Rondé, I think Rondé, depending on what you get back for him, but, I mean, he's not even making that much. So, you're not, I mean, he's only it's making tough. $2 million, so you're going to get another $2 million player back. I don't think you're going to get anybody who's will be as valuable as Rondé. So the only person um, I would think to trade is Stanley Johnson. Um, I would also, depending on what you get back, I would throw in McCaw mm -hmm. there. Um, but what I think they need is another big. Yeah, definitely they need another big. And especially as Marc Gasol remains out, yeah. 
Um, and they've already stated they're not bringing him back until after the All-Star break, right. which I think is a smart move because really you need him for the playoffs, right? Exactly. But it just is a reminder of just how, like, how short your depth is. Yep. Does that even make sense? In the middle. You know what I'm trying to say, yeah. right? Yeah. How much depth you lack in the middle. Yeah. After, you know, if an injury goes down, now you're dealing with Surge, and if Surge gets into foul trouble in the third quarter right. or in the first half, and now it's just Boucher time, yeah. can he handle that? And you mentioned this during tonight's game. Yeah. Clearly it didn't look like Nick Nurse trusts Boucher yet because he didn't like he let Surge rock it out. Exactly. And it worked this time, and it paid off. Yeah. But the fact that you didn't even go back to Boucher was interesting to me, no? Or was that more a matter of, matchups and you could get away with going small against Indiana. I think you can because Miles Turner wasn't in the game, so it's really only Sabonis. And I think even for for short stints, Siakam, who obviously Sabonis has some size over Siakam, but Siakam can guard Sabonis because Sabonis is not really a a, a post uh, bruiser, Mm -hmm. um, even though he's a good rebounder. but I think like a team like Indiana, I think is one of those teams where, especially in the middle of the season, you're on an 11 game winning streak, where maybe you'd want to test Boucher yeah, to yeah. see whether he whether you can trust him in these games. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that you didn't go to him in this game, um, given that there are no, I mean obviously Boucher's very slight stature, yeah, but there are no real big big bruisers For on sure. Indiana. Totally true. So I think this would have been the perfect game to give him those 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 minutes where were meaningful minutes. Yeah. Um but the fact that like I said they don't trust it doesn't seem to me like they trust Boucher a lot. So I think you need that third big to come in. Um also because I think personally you're gonna have to go with with that big lineup like they went um against Philly in the playoffs last year. Yeah. When you're playing Philly, Milwaukee you're gonna need those need, need the size. Yeah. So you when you if you're playing Surge and Mark big minutes, you need some someone to have to come get, off the bench and rest. Come off the yeah, bench, right? Totally. So I think that's that's what I would look for. Um, so my thing is actually, you know what? Let me read some comments okay. and then I'll I'll say what my thoughts are on the trade deadline because a lot of people are filtering in, and of course we do love to hear from the people. Uh, Diversified Youth on Instagram checks in and says, "No trade, we good." Uh, Gozi on Instagram says Stan Pat. Sharice says no trade. Glow Girl Smile says, yeah, a healthy Raptors team is scary. No trades. That guy, Damone, asks, should the Raptors trade for Kelly Oubre Jr.? I don't know what you'd have to give up for that. I don't know. Um, let's see. Someone says hell no right away. <laughs> uh, Len says, I honestly don't see a major change, but Masai could fleece anyone anytime. So, who knows? LOL, which is super facts. Well, of course. I mean, when you're saying when you're saying no trade, obviously, if if the Clippers say we're not happy with Kawhi, we want to send <laughs> Kawhi back. You 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 hand over everybody. But uh, I don't think this is one. This is the one year where I don't think you've heard any any kind of names like like difference changers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And my thing is, my thing is honestly, I think so much of the thought process coming into the season was about. If we're if the Raptors are just okay, if they're like middle of the pack or lower, trade deadline comes along and you can get first round picks yeah. for Serge, Mark Gasol, or Kyle, you do that. And yeah. you come away and say, look what this Raptors front office does 
with undrafted dudes. Yep. What are they doing with multiple first round picks, right? And so, regardless of where the, where the that pick could be, twenty seven, you find sure. another Siakam somewhere, yeah, so right? It doesn't so. even matter if you were making the trade to the Clippers or whatever, yep. right? Because we know Masai does wonders with draft picks. But and the only thing that made me really think about that was a couple of days ago I saw there's like a headline floating, and you know we're in crazy season where yeah. things are getting floated. It was like uh, Detroit looking for first round picks for Luke Kennard. I'm like, hold on. If Luke Kennard's out here, <laughs> men's are trying to get first round picks for Luke Kennard. Yeah. I was like, yo, what can we get for Surge? But you look at where this team is at. And I think back to the Maasai quote a couple days, or maybe it was a couple weeks ago, where he says, you know, we're going to die trying this yeah. season. I think the mentality has to be now when you look at what this team has done, they've earned the opportunity to run it back. And if that ends up costing you, Mark Gasol or Serge walking away and you don't get anything mm -hmm. because they left, I'm okay with that because I, I really enjoy the fact, and I know that might hurt your long-term or your future, your next wave that you're bringing in. Totally understand that. But I think there's something to the respect or the loyalty factor that these guys have come out and bust their ass for the first half of the season and to pay them back you're going to leave this squad together and yep. let them run it back and see what they do in the playoffs. No trades, no nothing. Like I don't see anything major happening. And to be honest, the only people I would even consider trading really is, you know, McCaw, uh, Stanley Johnson, <laughs> Stanley Johnson, obviously. And I, I pause on Stanley Johnson cause I'm like, who wants Stanley Johnson? But like McCaw, Stanley Johnson, maybe Rondé. And if you're telling me that you were able to get like a legit, legit guy, I'd trade OG. But even still, that would take a lot for me to even like consider that. But I don't really see any major moves and the being salaries, made. And the salaries, like I said, the salaries don't match, right? It'd be so. tough. There's a huge heated debate going on on the Twitter stream right now because people are saying uh, ship out OG to try to get a vet swingman. And there's a debate going on as Logan says, why would you want to move OG? He's a top 10 defender in the league. I don't really agree with that, but... Not there yet. Not there yet, but, you know, OG has struggled, and maybe since he hasn't taken the leap this year, and this might sound kind of crazy, because if Norm has passed OG, yeah. we can agree with that. Yeah. I would say Terrence Davis is coming, and the reason why I say Terrence Davis is coming is because he doesn't even get the minutes. Yeah. Right? Off like, offense, he's offensively, he's passed OG. But Terrence, but the, my thing with Terrence Davis is what we're seeing him... Dude, like Nurse has him on a short leash. Yeah. Like Terrence Davis doesn't really, unless like they were when they were depleted with injuries. Other than that, Terrence Davis rarely gets like heavy, heavy minutes in a game, even though he deserves it. Like McCall was still the first guy off the bench yeah. today. And Terrence Davis is coming off what 31 he had against the Bulls? Uh, exactly. So it's an interesting thing to see right now. And I don't know what you make of OG. I don't I I still don't really know. But I feel like if you were able to get a very key piece, I would definitely consider moving OG and Anobi. Do I think that's going to happen? No. No. I think I think pay attention to, to the trade deadline or even offseason because OG is still on his rookie contract. Mm -hmm. So when you're trading a $2 million player and you're over the cap, you can only bring back a $2 million player. And who who is that that's really going to be an upgrade? OG is that guy... When it's actually time to trade, if it if if it came down to trading Serge, Mark, or Kyle, OG's the the young piece that you throw in to get whoever you're trading for. Yeah. Right. So 
after the season, depending on obviously how the season plays out, we all know Kyle's tenure is coming to an end. So if there's a Kyle Lowry trade to be made, OG is going to be is that 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 young prospect piece that gets thrown into that trade. Uh, Jay Herrera checks in and says, OG never plays the end of the games. If we can get something valuable for him, maybe add Johnson. I don't know. Could you match up? I know that's what you just said, right? Adding up a bunch of guys, but I don't even know what that adds up to. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird though. Like I look at that, you know, not to switch gears too much, but it's still kind of trade talk. The Justice Winslow for Andre Gudala. I tweeted this out. Like, I guess Miami wants a vet, which I, I understand, but I'd rather have Justice Winslow than Andre Gudala at this point, no? Yeah, definitely. Right? It's, I think it's weird. A, I think, I mean, he's he's still young. Um, He's like a young vet. So I think mm-hmm. that's a perfect guy. Yeah. Maybe for Memphis. That's a good that's Yeah, it's a, a good pickup for Memphis. Very good trade for Memphis. Once he gets back healthy, Especially if there's any draft picks, draft picks thrown in there too. Mm-hmm. Good pick for Memphis. Uh, Let's see. LT says, trade. A trade at this point is like giving up. It's like giving up on your kids at this point. <laughs> a trade is like giving up on one of your kids at this point. It's true. Like, I can't picture any. I, I really can't picture yeah. anything big happening. Nothing. Enough. There's no, I don't worth, think there's any, like, no big moves are, are happening. As you said, definitely not of the impact of getting Marcus Gasol last no. year. That was major. And I know despite, I'm tiptoeing around what I say <laughs> because of political connects. But despite what some of the people were trying to spew when we got Marc Gasol last year at the deadline, if you really know basketball, you knew that was a major, major, major pickup by the Raps and Masai Ujiri at last year's deadline. And after watching what happened, it was obvious the Raptors don't win the championship without Marc Gasol last Definitely year. Not. I don't know if there's another trade of that level of impact to happen tomorrow, but we'll see. And that's the fun of the NBA. I don't see you for the Raptors. Like I said, it's going to be depth, guys. It's going to be solidifying your depth, solidifying your bench. It's not your starters are set. Your sixth man, I think, is set. Mm-hmm. Seventh man is set. If Serge goes back to the bench, it's just those other guys. Yeah, super exciting. And as someone puts it best here in the chat, I'm just trying to give credit to it. Um I don't even know how to pronounce that, but my guy just says, in Maasai we trust, as always, right? Yep. Which I guess is a segue, as they call it in the biz, <laughs> to another topic that seems to be taking over Raptor land right now, and it's at a weird time because, yes, the trade deadline is cooking as well. There's a lot of Maasai Ujiri rumors going on, and I tried to keep an eye during the game, and, you know, of course now after the game, as someone tells me, stop the OG hate <laughs> in the Instagram chat, but... Here's the thing. Masai Jiri has been linked to the Knicks multiple times over and over and over again. And yesterday, when it was announced that the Knicks had decided to part ways with their president, obviously it was another opportunity for the Masai Jiri rumors to pop up once again. And everyone got thrown into this whole, like, you know, Twitter was going crazy with Raptors fans being like, uh, this is nothing. Everyone's brushing it away. Like yeah. we've seen this before, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't really understand why people continue to brush it off because where there's smoke, there's fire. Like there can't be this constant to me, there can't be this constant talk about Masai to New York and it mean absolutely nothing. Yeah. Because unless someone came out and said something, meaning the Knicks saying we don't want Masai because blank or Masai saying 
I'm not going to the Knicks. You're just leaving it out there. Or MLSE saying, trust us, Masai's not going anywhere. We're going to re-sign him again. But none of those things happened. Yeah. So it was it was weird to me because I didn't understand why people <laughs> just kept brushing it off. And then that all changed last night with Michael Grange releasing an article that had all these very interesting quotes in it about how things that we didn't know in terms of Masai Ujiri possibly having an out clause in his yeah. contract at the end of this season. And that was after the reports, obviously, from Mark Stein of the New York Times, who said there's talk of Adam Silver mm-hmm. and the NBA trying to push Masai Ujiri to the Knicks to basically save their franchise. And that was a part that really had the Raptors fan base, I think, in an uproar. No? Definitely. <laughs> what What did you make <laughs> of all this Masai talk and where we, where we stand right now where the rumors are still out there and... That's all we got so far. What, what what are your thoughts? Are you worried about Masai leaving? Are you shook by Masai leaving? Um, I don't know. I'm 50-50 on it. Okay. Right? I think New York, everybody knows New York is the Mecca, right? Yep. So Masai going to New York and saving that franchise, what does that make Masai? Like, that makes Masai... A god. God. Basketball mm-hmm. god. Yep. Right. He write his own ticket after that. He per- he could probably write his own ticket now. Right now. Yeah. Right now. But he's adding zeros to that to that to that check for if sure. he does this for New York. Totally. Right. But on the other hand, there's James Dolan. <laughs> right. And if you're gonna tell me that Masai, obviously Masai's going there wanting full autonomy over the team, mm-hmm. and James Dolan is like the the Jerry Jones of the NBA. He's yeah. always going to meddle. Yes. Right. So can you imagine? Giannis going into that meeting with Masai, if Masai was with the Knicks, every time James Dolan opens his mouth, but Giannis is closer to saying, no, I'm not coming here, <laughs> right? And I just don't see him actually sitting there and shutting up, just signing the check. Yeah. Right? It's, so It's all I mean, very interesting. I think... The one thing that worried me about this whole Masai thing, and I'll start here, right? Because my take hasn't really changed from when the rumors after the championship run happened and you know, it was a rumor to Washington, right? I said at that time, I'm not mad at Masai. If Masai leaves now, right? Like you won the Toronto Raptors an NBA championship. You laid it out on the line. You took the biggest risk of arguably any front office executive in the history of sports. And what I mean is tell me another situation where you decided you were going to fire the coach of the year hire his assistant, then trade the face of your franchise for one year at a superstar coming off injury, right? So you did all that and won. So after you do that, how do you top that? I have no idea how you top that, right? So if he decided, hey, I need a new challenge, I'm going to go do something else, and that something else happened to be the Knicks and saving the NBA's biggest market, I'm not mad at Masai if he decided that he wanted to go do that. Who I would be mad at is MLSE for not doing whatever the hell they could have 
And like, if it happened and they said, hey, you maybe know, there's we want nothing them. they, but maybe there's nothing they could hey, do. Hey, then you know what? I need Tannenbaum to leak stories that we tried to offer him shares. We tried to offer him <laughs> shares in the Leafs. We tried to offer him shares in Rogers all of MLSE, Rogers and Bell, and, and a Maasai only cell phone plan. We tried to offer him all types of stuff. I want those stories leaked. If yep. Maasai Jiri leaves, I want to know that you did everything in your power. You backed up the Brinks truck, you offered more money than the Knicks. All of that. That's what I want to hear if Masai yeah, leaves. Definitely. Because I'll still be mad at MLSE for letting him leave. Because that's the only semblance of legit winning that your organization, that this city has really seen in time. So I've always stayed you know stood what? by the fact that I'm not going to be mad at Masai. If he leaves, I'll be mad at MLSE. And you know what I fear? <coughs> I fear them announcing the replacement. You know what I mean? Like... Like, oh, like, like, who, if, like who, like, but no matter who, who it is, it's not good enough. Obviously, obviously, but you know, I, I still want a, a something like, f- get me Phil Jackson. Like, feed me, <laughs> feed, like, feed me some BS that made you me think, like, you know, what I, mean? to... I, I don't want. I know, you know what I mean. I just think you know, I'm at the point now. Is like, like you said, we have the championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kind of at the point now where we were last year with Kawhi. Okay. Right is just enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah. Because the other thing is, too, that needs to be remembered. There's two things that need to be remembered. And I know I bring this up a lot and I tiptoe around it because I'm not trying to shit on other people that talk about basketball in this country. But what I want to emphasize to the people that watch this podcast, the main thing I try to do is have a level-headed conversation about what's really going on. And I try to be open and honest about what we do on this pod, which is, hey, we're here talking about basketball as Raptors fans, but we'll also give you real talk when needed. And... I'll puff out the chest and give the resume of, hey, I covered the NBA and basketball and sat down with mad players and like the resume is legit when I have to. And the reason why I do that is because I get frustrated when people don't tell the full story. So when the Knicks thing came out yesterday and people are talking about, oh, well, Adam Silver's forcing or is trying to push Masai to the Knicks, everyone's losing it and saying, <coughs> woe is me. Everyone's losing it saying, oh, that's not fair. That's terrible. How could, see, the NBA hates the Raptors. And it's like, hold on, pump the brakes. Let's rewind here a little Raptors history. And how exactly did Masai Ujiri end up in Toronto? Oh, he was in Toronto because he was working under Brian Colangelo. Wait, how did Brian Colangelo end up in Toronto? <laughs> well, if we rewind the tapes... What happened was the Raptors organization was in utter dismay, much like the Knicks right now. And what happened? Then commissioner David Stern, whose boy happens to be Brian Colangelo's dad, decided to kind of push Brian Colangelo and more so push Richard Petty into hiring Brian Colangelo. So we've seen this happen before. It's not unprecedented. And in fact, it's happened to the Raptors. In fact, that's how we got Masai. So to me, it's hypocritical for a Raptors fan base to sit here and be like, oh my gosh, how this is so unfair. How could Adam Silver be trying to push him to the Knicks? Like, that's why I get frustrated with the media and the coverage of the team sometimes because people give half stories. Mm -hmm. So one thing we try to do here, give the full story. And be mad about it. Let the people decide. But at least, but at least be mad with the full story. Definitely. Right? Be mad. Hey, be mad. Adam Silver trying to push Masai out because I'm gonna be just as cheesy if Masai leaves too. Right? I'm gonna be mad too. I'll be mad at MLSE. But at least I'll be mad with the full story. That hey, what's hold on? We go way back, okay? 
We go way back. Yep. And a man that sits sits here sometimes with us, my man Foots. We go way back, and we used to talk a lot all the time about relationships in our younger days. And what were one of the wisest words ever spoken? <laughs> Remember, Remember how, how you, you got, got in. in. Right? So think about that right now. I'm going to beg Raptors fans to remember how you got in with Masai. Okay? You got Masai because David Stern was pushing Brian Colangelo to Toronto. So if we're we're okay, okay with that and we're okay with the chip, and if now the deal on the way out is Masai being pushed out, remember how you got in. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about that. Right? But I just also think that at the end of the day, I just think that, and here's the thing too, because someone's writing in saying, I'm now mad with the full story, just mad with more information, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, here's the thing, and and I researched this today, and we were talking about it on Tim and Sid today too, and it, it was funny to go back and read some of the quotes from when they got Brian Colangelo, and this is something that was in the Toronto Star. I'm just gonna read this because again, what we what I really wanna do the most on this podcast is share all information, and then we can have a conversation. It's not about just being a fan. Try to be an educated fan and know what we're talking about when you're arguing in your group text because that's what we do, right? Yep. We're Our group text is fire every day. Every day. You wake up in the morning, there's, there's like 118 <laughs> messages. So just to give you some backstory on, you know, rewind for maybe some of our younger fans or our newer basketball fans to the time when Brian Colangelo was brought to Toronto. And the reason why, again, it's not the headline, but remember, Brian Colangelo led to Maasai. This is from the Toronto Star, okay? This was just as Colangelo came in. <laughs> in Toronto, Dave, Fetch, Dave Festchuk wrote MLSE President and CEO Rich, Richard Petty, remember him. Richard Petty had as much to do with hiring Colangelo as, quote, the manager of a local drive through has on the menu, close quote. Petty admitted that he dialed the number he always dials in times of attendance draining, revenue decreasing crisis. He called the NBA head office and was informed of the prudent tact. <coughs> okay, mm-hmm. like does that does that sound familiar to what's going on right now with James Dolan? Yeah. And the key here, let's, the key to remember is I'm pretty sure that for all this to happen, and obviously we're dealing in hypotheticals, right? If Masai, Masai's not leaving unless you could see Adam Silver trying to mediate with James Dolan and be like, Definitely. listen, you need to put this in writing. You're going to back off. You're going to let this man do what he does. And he's going to save your organization because you got to remember, what's the biggest theme of this whole NBA season so far? Ratings are down. Yep. So how do you fix the ratings being down? Well, if the Knicks are not even a championship contender, just decent. The Nets are good. So now Knicks and Nets, both in New York market. Yep. Then Lakers and Clippers are bubbling. Oh. That's it. That's all you really need. Ratings problems fixed. Everything else is bonus. So you can see the bigger business model here at play with Adam Silver and the league having a vested interest in the Knicks being decent. No? Yeah. And since we're since we're educating, because mm-hmm. again, we have some some new basketball fans. For sure. Some young basketball fans who only know Brian Colangelo as the guy who let his wife <laughs> the, the burner tweet on Twitter. Tweet tweet about the players on the team. Yes. Right? Brian Colangelo's father is Jerry Colangelo, the head of USA basketball. Yeah. yeah. Right? Brian Colangelo was the GM of the Phoenix Suns during the Steve Nash era. Yes. So it wasn't like Brian Colangelo was just some dummy. No, he was that, executive of the year. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And in fact, it was just Super weird how Robert Sarver became the new owner of the Suns and just happened to let the executive of the year go. Yeah. 
and then magically ends up in Toronto. Yeah. And magically, the Raptors happen to also get the first overall pick that year in the draft. That's another story for another day, <laughs> how that all turned out. Yep. But I'm just saying, I'm not saying, but I'm saying, right? It's just funny to read some of these things. You know, Fezchuk also went on to say, you'd like to think someone in Toronto is making decisions for the NBA team that's based there, but you're a fool if you do. Raptors fans shouldn't thank Petty. They should thank Suns owner Robert Sarver, who set Colangelo free. So, again, just a little history lesson. Without draft compensation. Right? And just a little history lesson. And, again, I think overall the most important part here is I'm not even saying that I think Masai is leaving. I don't know if Masai is leaving. I was just more frustrated with the fact that everyone was shitting on the report from legit NBA people. Like, Mark Stein has no reason to just make stuff up. And he went back and got other quotes where the people from the NBA were denying that, which, of course, what else are they going to do? They're not going <laughs> to admit and be like, yeah, we would like Masai to be in New York. Like, that's not going to happen, right. right? But you have legit reporters, and Michael Grange isn't just sending that out there for no reason, right? Like, he's getting something from someone to be that confident to tell us this new information about Masai having an out clause in his contract and all these things. And so the main point of all this, I think... Just negotiating. Masai getting to his free agency and being able to negotiate to get the most out of what he could possibly get. And as long as you let the Knicks rumor linger, the more money you're getting from MLSE. But if MLSE is just out here bidding against themselves, that number's down. Especially, and I think, like, obviously after the championship, right, Mm -hmm. you're thinking, why not try and get a a contract extension then? But you also got Kawhi leaving. Or, or at that point, maybe leaving, mm-hmm. right? So you still haven't. So yes, you made the trade, but you still haven't been able to attract free agents. For sure. So I think what the Raptors are doing now with undrafted free agents and, and you know, get, obviously getting back to the playoffs, and I mean, who knows where it all ends up? Yeah, that's just that's just more notches on the belt. Yeah. That's that's more that's more food for the resume, right? Then who knows? I'm not want to put more rumors out there, but. Imagine if Giannis was to actually sign in Toronto. True. And that's the other part that has everyone scared, right? Because yeah. if Masai leaves, there's no Giannis. No, not a chance. And, I mean, again, going back to the bigger picture as to why I've always thought there was at least a chance that this could all be legit is the fact that you couldn't see that if Masai goes to the Knicks that soon after there wouldn't be Adam Silver in the NBA, Nike, <laughs> behind Giannis being like, Psst, you should go to the Knicks. Like, the money that is, like, this is a business, exactly. right? At the end of the day, it's a business. And would it suck for the Raptors? Yes. Would it suck for the Bucks? Yes. But you know what? You know what you can't take away? The NBA championship. That's, right. <laughs> That's here forever. That, but I'm going to read some comments. That gold tab on the back of the jersey is right? not going anywhere. Not going anywhere. I'm going to read some comments here about Masai because people are obviously fired up about that as well. Uh, Diversified Youth on Instagram says, Masai has not come out to say a word. U.S. media don't know shit about the raps or Canada. <laughs> Gozi says, yo, if Masai leaves, I'll fucking lose it. <laughs> we the Mutt says, didn't Masai already say he hates the Knicks? He did say that. That was a couple years ago on George Strombolopoulos' George Strombolopoulos's show. Yeah. Shout out to Strombo, actually. One of the nicest people I've ever met in this industry filled in on Tim and Sid one day and like was the absolute nicest dude ever. But yes, Masai did say that, but I'd advise you to go back and look at the context of that conversation and the context 
context changes over the years. I'll and say what that. the Knicks were at that point, like the Knicks were, I mean, obviously, you know, had, I think they had still had Mellow at that point, so they were, yeah. they were, they weren't bottom bottom feeders. Uh, I am why Doves cry says the Knicks are a dumpster fire, which is true, but. Yep. If you're Masai Ujiri, and shout to my guy, McAuliffe, who brought this up on our show today, he said, do you think, this is the answer to the question to Raptors fans, do you think that being the president of the Toronto Raptors is Masai Ujiri's last job of his career? <laughs> right? If I own the team. <laughs> I like that answer. If I own the team. I like that answer. I like that answer. Uh, someone else says, Obama allegedly tried to get him to Washington. I don't know if that's true, but who knows? Uh Masai fired everyone he wanted as a condition to come to the Raptors. I don't know what that means. Uh, Glow Girl Smile says Dolan is toxic. Uh, shake my head. James, quote, idiot Dolan. Dolan ain't giving him the autonomy he's had with this franchise. All of that might be true, but honestly, we don't know. Right? You know, I mean, I, James I still... Dolan... I James Dolan, think... we know, messed up, messed up last year because yeah. he thought they were getting KD and Kyrie in the middle of the season. It was very cocky in a radio interview talking about how it's going to be a great offseason for their team, and then they had the worst offseason. What I can say about James Dolan, and I like, like we compared him to, I compared him to Jerry Jones. The difference is, is the Cowboys were, are always relevant. The Cowboys are always eight and eight, just missing the playoffs, yeah. right? Whereas the Knicks have they lost out on. LeBron, they lost out on Bosch in that year. They lost out on every free agent that's is always rumored to be taking meetings with the Knicks, and they haven't been able to sign any of them. And the Knicks are bottom feeders. The Knicks mm -hmm. are a joke. They can't keep a coach. They can't keep a GM. They can't keep their star players. <laughs> James true. Dolan is a billionaire. Billionaires are billionaires for a reason, right? At yeah. some point, he's got to make a business decision, right? Yeah. Jerry Jones prints money. For sure. Right? James Dolan has two losing franchises on his hands. Yeah. Right? Facts. And although he's got Madison Square Garden, so yes, he's printing money also. Billionaires don't like losing money. Jerry Jones ha doesn't lose money. Jim Dolan is losing money compared to what he could be making if the Knicks are irrelevant or yeah. a good team. Yeah. So at some point, the businessman in James Dolan would have to say, if this guy, Masai, could come in here and make me some extra billion dollars. Yeah. Maybe I should shut up for a, for a year or two. <laughs> and to be honest, I'll say it again. At the end of the day, this could all just be negotiating by Masai. And I give him exactly. mad credit for that. And for anyone who, uh, one thing I remember always McAuliffe used to say to me as a young buck in the industry, and it applies to all business, you're worth what you can get. Yep. So if you're Masai, what, what, what benefit does it do to you to come out and turn down these Knicks rumors? doesn't do you any good. Yeah. Raps haven't even made you an offer yet. Right, so you let this linger or for as long as Or maybe they did, but it's not the offer you're looking for. Hmm. And the latest that I've seen from this story was from Mark Berman of the Post, who said, according to a source, Dolan has been leery on you, Jerry, mm -hmm. with mounds of publicity, with the mounds of publicity he's gotten as a candidate, and using the Knicks as leverage with Toronto. <laughs> so, yep. hey. and I also heard that Dolan hates Majuri because Majuri fleeced him twice in trades. Yeah. Once with Bargnani, the second time with the Mellow trade. Yes. Um, yep. We also know the reason why Kyle Lowry is not a Nick is because James Dolan refused to give up another first round pick to Masai. To Masai and to the Raptors. So to give up more first round picks 
to get a GM. Will he do that? Who knows? Who knows? So I mean, it's crazy until it happens. With the until it happens, everybody's just gonna be specul- speculating. Yeah. yeah, it's it's so crazy. And the funny thing to me is just what's going on with the Knicks right now in general. Yeah. And the story, the name. There's a name that keeps popping up in Knicks land, yeah. and it's Steve Stout, who hip hop fans might be familiar with. Commissioner Steve Stout so, is how we, <laughs> we we in the hip hop community like so, to call him. Steve Stout has recently been hired as a branding consultant with the New York Knicks. And obviously changing the brand was such a big, a big topic of concern, especially with somehow something that nobody thought was ever possible. Superstars turning down the Knicks for the Nets. Nobody ever thought that was possible, right? (laughs) Right? So you bring in this branding consultant, but also let's keep it a buck. When you're dealing in corporate entities like this, there's a cool factor that Steve Stout is also bringing to that organization. And Definitely. it sounds like he has Dolan's ear right now. And it's yep. just weird because, you know, Steve Stout comes from the hip hop back world, the hip hop world. Yep. And he used to be a manager for Nas, Mary J, Will Smith. You know, he did major marketing deals for Jay with Budweiser, Jay Z, sorry, yep. for Budweiser and Reebok. But. <laughs> The thing to me, because we grew up in hip-hop and know hip-hop, the thing to me that remains so funny is that you're currently sitting in a position where their New York Knicks, maybe their number one advisor, is the same dude that Puffy once bottled in the head with a champagne (laughs) bottle because they wouldn't remove the scene of Puffy on the cross in the Hate Me Now video. That's the dude that could be advising James Dolan on whether or not he should give up draft picks for Masai Ujiri. The NBA is truly the best league in the world. (laughs) That's all I'll say about that. The Instagram feed's about to go down, but we're about to wrap up the pod. So if you want to continue listening to the final couple minutes here on the pod, click the link in bio and you'll see the full feed with me and Q and the full audio, all that fun stuff. But Instagram, if this cuts off in the middle of the sentence, just know we're still continuing on the Twitter land. Or catch the rest of the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Support the movement that is Wrap It Up, your only live and interactive Toronto Raptors postgame show. But Q, lots going on in between now and the Raps' next game, which yep. is also against the Pacers. Yep. Uh, we could be looking at a different team in Toronto in terms of trade deadline. Who knows yep. Yep. what Masai could pull out of his sleeve. We could be looking at different teams in the Eastern Conference as there could be more moves on the way. Still don't know the the end of this Miami trade, what's going on there. That'll come out in a couple of days. But what are you looking forward to? Who do you think, if anyone else in the East is set to make the next move, the next time we sit down to do this podcast against the Indiana Pacers? Do you think it'll be a busy deadline? Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean... Boston, I think, is a team. I know they've been they've been rumored to be looking looking for a, a, a center. I was actually happy with the Houston trade because that meant Capella's not going to be a Celtic. Yep. Um, but they're all, they're also in the market for us for a, a center. I don't know if that means Tristan Thompson. I don't know who else is available out there. Andre Drummond. Um, I don't know. I just I just kind of wondering what's going to happen. Yeah. Obviously, the Sixers need to make a move, but for them to make a move, they're going to have to give up probably yeah. a starter. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, they're, it's so weird because I always feel like every single deadline, trades end up happening and you're kind of like, 
wait, how did that happen? Why did that happen? Yeah, exactly. right? Because it doesn't add up. Yeah. The math doesn't seem to add up. And I don't mean the math in terms of the numbers. I mean yeah. in terms of, wait, you player gave up this player. guy who doesn't yeah. play for this guy who's going to help this team make a run? Yeah. So there's so many names out there that I'm looking forward to that by the next time we talk, like, why is Kevin Love going to still be on this, the Cavs? Right? Like, if I'm the Cavs, aren't I trading Tristan and Kevin Love and getting some type of assets to really get my rebuild going? When I right? trade everybody not named Garland and Sexton. <laughs> right? So, there's so many names out there. And if you're telling me Tristan ends up on, again, as you mentioned, the Celtics, that drastically changes the Eastern Conference, right? Yep. So, Kevin Love goes to, let's say, Portland. That drastically changes the Western Conference. Yep. Like, there's so many big-time names that are out there. Could Drummond be on the move? Right? Like, who? it's so crazy. And if Miami ends up getting Gallo, like, we talked about this earlier while the Raps game was on. If you're telling me that Miami's closing lineup is Jimmy Butler, Iggy, Bam, Gallinari, and whichever young killer they want to have on, whether it's Nunn, Duncan Robinson, or Tyler Hero, yep. that's a serious closing five that takes out any team in the East, No. Like that's a C- oh look at the look at maybe not. I mean I mean I mean I I mean even here in Milwaukee was was in on in on uh, Covington yeah so I mean uh, like you said it's the NBA it, it's not like other leagues trade deadlines mm-hmm. where you know you're you're trading a bunch of fourth liners yeah there's always something that just makes you go wow yeah. right so I'm just looking to see interested to see what happens. <laughs> Not anybody specific, just yeah. what, what in general happens. This is the beauty of the Knicks. Someone writes in and says, I was watching one of the Nick U- the Knicks YouTube channels, and dude said, and the, this dude said, Steve Stout said, quote, brands win games. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's such a New York Knicks thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, like what it. does that mean? And it, the follow up is Stout is hustling Dolan. <laughs> Brands win game. I mean, <laughs> or uh, something to the effect of maybe brands win basketball. Like what? Like get, get out of here! With I don't that. know. Steve Stout, yo, that's amazing. And Steve Stout, you know, he's obviously boys with LeBron, which is boys with Jay. Like circles there, and circles. some things kind of make sense, right? Like cool, I get it, but like that can't be the dude that's like no. New York, you should not give up your first overall pick to get Masai Ujiri. Like, that can't be the guy that's in the ear of Dolan making that decision. Because that's ridiculous. No? It's the Knicks, though. <laughs> it's true. It's the Knicks. I don't, it's true. You know, it's true. Not much makes sense with the Knicks. All I'll say is, I, I, I'm sure I speak for an entire city, an entire country. Masai, get your money. Yep. <laughs> right? Do what you do. But I hope you stay in Toronto. If you don't, yo, people are going to be mad at MLSE. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, either way, I think that's a good place to close. Q. Definitely. People want to hit you up and continue this conversation because people are fired up in the chat. Q, where can the people hit you up, man? <laughs> All social media that's Instagram, Twitter, wherever else. Simply underscore just underscore Q. Also at, at DDS Caps. Check us out, ddscaps.com. And, of course, my name is Sheldon Alexander. Thank you guys for rocking with me as you do live after each and every Toronto Raptors game. 
when possible. At Shell Alexander live on Twitter. Same thing goes for Instagram. We take your comments and questions there at Sheldon Alexander because we are the only live and interactive Toronto Raptors post-game show that's got you covered on all angles, whether it's game talk, whether it's trade talk, whether it's Masai to New York Knicks talk and Steve Stout getting bottled talk. <laughs> we try to hit you with the facts and just give you a lot of information on the pod and have a lot of fun. So write in with us during the week. Hit, hit us up on all social medias. Like and subscribe. Again, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube. Please like, subscribe, rate us. That's how we keep this train moving. That is the Wrap It Up podcast. As we continue to just bring real basketball talk to the basketball fans that deserve it as this movement continues to grow. And this Toronto Raptors team has now won a franchise record 12 straight game. It's incredible. What a ride. And I stopped myself from saying it, but no, I'm going to say it. What a time to to be be alive alive as a Raptor fan. As the Raptors do it again, continue to win games 119 to 118 on a game-winning three-pointer by, of all people, Serge Ibaka. (laughs) My name is Sheldon Alexander, and of course, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Wrap It Up on Blast Raps post-game show. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Oh, blast.